Hello again, everybody, and welcome to episode 7 of Wait, Are These Guys Friends? I am Mike. Randy is here. We did take a break. We had, we had mentioned doing a this or that recording. May have technically happened, and while I was editing it, I thought, this sucks. Randy, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing marvelous. I echo that. It did feel very much like <laughs> uh, we took a telephone survey and put it on, uh, recorded it for 20 minutes, so we're, we're helping the listening public out with that, I think. I agree. And, you know, we, we, I was so determined to get something out and then I was editing it and I just was like, I'm, I'm bored and I'm a narcissist. You know, I like my own voice and I just thought, no, I can't do this. Oh, well, you're welcome, everybody. That we're both, uh, a little slap happy. So forgive us if we get into laughing, <laughs> uh, fits and, uh, goofiness, but, uh, maybe it'll be good for, uh, for listening. And it was nice because I actually, we, we had mentioned in one of the previous episodes, we managed to see each other uh, crossing paths briefly, and we managed to see each other again crossing paths briefly. I was coming at the end of a long work trip, and you were kind of at the beginning of a short yet intense work trip. And, <laughs> well said. Uh, thankfully, we were able to have a drink and catch up, and now we're both just dead on our feet and ready to... <laughs> Give you that good pop culture content. What a lead in. <laughs> you know, I I want to give the people what they want, which is I'm exhausted. Can we end this and go to bed? <laughs> I you know, and it, it gives me pause to think because I actually do have a what did you watch this week? I, I can talk a little bit about a couple of things. Do you have anything? Were you were you too intense on your on your day job, your real life, your work to, to actually watch anything? Uh, the only thing that I watched, and it would have been earlier in the week, on Netflix, there was a limited series called um, American Nightmare about uh, this woman that got kidnapped. This was from 2006. 2007 is when it happened. And a woman got kidnapped from her and her boyfriend's house, and it was right around the time of Gone Girl, and so this perception was at the forefront of everything, and they just were kind of railroading the boyfriend, even though he had nothing to do with it. And so it was just one of those kind of typical true crime ones that go on. Who's the real villain here? You know, is it the person that actually committed it or the police that commit the shoddy investigations and people that are just determined by there. So the interesting watch. Oh, all right. Well, you know, sounds depressing. So <laughs> it, it ends well, it ends happy. So if you start it, know that okay, that's good. It, it that's ends, good. it ends on a high note. It's more just, yeah, a, a things are revealed about wow, this is sometimes, um, not every, uh, it's similar to say, you, you know, you can get a C minus in medical school and be a doctor. Uh, similar so, things at times apply to law enforcement. Uh, there are, there are great law enforcement people out there, of course, but uh, some are just good job. Out. Great job hedging your bets there. That was really... Uh, <laughs> Excuse really, me, there's a knock at my door. I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, there it is. Really <laughs> impressed. I finally watched just last night before bed, you know, really dialed in on it, uh, The Marvels. I finally watched it since yeah. it's streaming. I never had any real push to go see it in the theater. And it's interesting because I enjoyed it. Yeah. And the first half hour, I was like, why was this getting all, you know, slagged on? I'm really into this. Then it kept going and I got yeah. bored and I was like, oh, that's like, this is, it just, it really did feel like the next episode in a random Disney plus show that I don't care about all that much. And 
I knew all the characters from all these things. And again, yeah, that first half hour is really fun and action packed. And then it just, and I felt like the movie was like, oh, it's about to be over. It was like, oh, there's an hour left. Oh, hmm. no, that's not great. Kind of repeated what was going on. It just didn't, yes. it didn't feel like there was anything new in the last hour. I would agree with that. Yes, they did that first half hour over again and then over again again. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm very bored. I, I did laugh at the, uh, what are they called? Flargs or, or whatever the cat the things are. That was the, yeah. <laughs> the Flarkins. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I guess that that's the way that they, <laughs> I thought that was nice. Yes. I, and I did enjoy, I thought the, I kept watching because the cast is very good. They are great in what they're mm -hmm. doing. They are extremely charismatic as you would expect. I did think that the girl who plays Kamala Khan, Aman Vellani and her family, Amazing in that movie. Yeah, All of them good. are so good. They steal the show. I, I feel like if that movie had not just fallen by the wayside as it did, that should have been like a star-making turn for her because she is... Did you watch the series or... I couldn't get into it all that much, but I also didn't feel like I was okay. the target audience for it necessarily. I, I feel like the people who it was made for really loved it. And the people, mm. but that's, that's part of the deal with modern Marvel is they were putting out so much content. Things didn't feel necessary anymore. It started to feel like, well, that one's not for me. And that maybe isn't mm. what Marvel should be. Marvel is supposed yeah. to be the tent pole. <laughs> oh my gosh, everything. Yeah, we want it. It was to the point with some of those series where I was like, well, that's not for me. That one's, I'm all right. There, and that's not like, I run this line, right, where I feel like as a, you know, mid-40s white man offering my opinion on shows like Miss Marvel, I'm running a line of when I say <laughs> that I didn't enjoy it, I'm not, I feel like I'm running a line of I'm going to teeter into something I shouldn't talk about or something. But when I say I didn't like it or it wasn't for me, it was just that I don't think because of what I just said, I was the target audience and that's okay. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I recognize that she is fantastic, and in the movie, she is the best part. And I love her mm -hmm. in it and her energy. And it's kind of a bummer that the movie turned out the way it did because she should have gotten a bigger rub of stardom off of it. It's it's more fun in the series, actually, just because they do showcase the family and the other. And the, the girl that plays her best friend and the guy that plays her other best friend are very, very good in the show, too. So it's a, it's an enjoyable. But it is more targeted as a family watch. I mean, I, I watched it with my son and my wife. So, like, yeah, clearly it's it's the end. It was that kind of enjoyable entertainment. But um, did it's, they, they are. It, I would agree. Did they enjoy it? Yeah. Very much so. So it's because sometimes my son is hit or miss on some of that and he'll tap out after like two episodes, but he wanted to know what was going on the whole time. Oh, and that, you know, and that's good because that makes sense for me to know because I'm going to die alone because the show wasn't for me. <laughs> it was a family show. And I jump from what I, I analyzed, but sure. Well, no, I, I hear you say, you know, it's a family show. It's for families and you're saying you didn't enjoy it. And that's because you're going to die alone. And never have you know. Anything. You read the subtext as you want, so it's. A... I I just it's what I heard. It's what what can I say? <laughs> uh, the last thought I'll have on the Marvels was uh, Sam Jackson, fantastic in it, a lot of fun mm -hmm. as Nick Fury, charismatic, entertaining, and that doesn't make any fucking sense because I saw Secret <laughs> Invasion. I know I'm not the first person to say that, 
That is not an original thought, but it has to be said, <laughs> and it has to be said again. That show was dour, and that show was terrible, Ugh. and it left Fury a miserable wreck. But boy, he's having so much fun in this movie. Fuck off! He just, <laughs> he just needed, you know, transporting superheroes to be bouncing around different universes. And, he uh, and, is and, so fucking miserable in Secret Invasion, yeah. and so unhappy. And so are we, the viewing audience. <laughs> and he's just so... And, and that's the, supposed to be the same character... I would say maybe a month later at best because the scrolls are still kind of a thing in this. And he's yeah. just like, gee whiz, we're having a good time. Fuck you. Oh, God. <laughs> That's what I took away from it. That's what I took away from it. Like, oh, what, is, what is this consistency of character? Because there is none. This character in this movie felt like Iron Man 2. Like he it was just, yeah. he's he's like, man, we're just we're sorting this out right now. We're having a good time. Let's make some quips. Fuck off, fuck yeah. off. <laughs> oh God, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> You're awake now. <laughs> I'm awake now. You're right. You're right. Actually, I feel better right now. Raging about the poor characterization of Nick Fury than I have in two days coming back from travel. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that leads perfectly into the... We can spin this forward at least. <laughs> that leads into the Deadpool trailer. Loved it. Loved it. And I feel like mm -hmm. it's going to be the palate cleanser, not just me, but so many people need for Marvel. It mm -hmm. was... It is great knowing... That that is the only Marvel release I think coming out in 2024. I need Correct. to double check if that's we're talking just movies and TV show, or mm -hmm. if it's movies and TV shows. I'm not 100 percent on that one. Definitely movies, but yeah, I'm not yes. sure. I, I I I as I was about to say, it's the only Marvel release. I did think they're probably going to sneak some fucking random Disney Plus show. I forgot about it there. But that said, it is necessary to you know, sweep, just let's hit reset, right? Let's take a minute. Let's pause and let's have some levity in all of this. Let's Ugh. clean the slate. Randy, I have so many things I want to talk about, but we often say that you are not as much of a comic book person as me, you know, the movies. I'd love to actually start with your thoughts on this. What do you got? So there were a few things the first time I watched it through where I, I did a, oh, is that really that person? Or that looks a lot like this person. Maybe they're casting them mm -hmm. to bring them back. Like, first off, the the brief shot of Pyro, which I think I'm get, I think it's Pyro anyway, because it looked like the same. And then I went back and looked, and it's the same actor from X-Men 2. Because I really liked the, well, some of the X-Men movies, <laughs> the original uh, 20th Century Fox ones. They, especially X-Men. The first one and the second one I really the liked. The second so. one is still, I don't. I should go back and revisit it because it was for a very long time one of my absolute favorite superhero movies ever, especially pre-MCU. Mm -hmm. And then I've always said that X-Men 3 was one of the first, like, X-Men 3 came out when I was 20 years old and it was like yep. two years out of high school. And it was like the first time I remember being truly let down at the movies. Yeah. Like I'm an adult mm -hmm. and this thing I'd been building up in my mind for years is terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and the Brett Ratner of it all 
and the Brian Singer of it all. The fact that they tanked two franchises, really, because Brian Singer left to go do Superman Returns, yeah. which wasn't good. <laughs> and then they brought Brett Ratner in to force X-Men 3 instead of trying to wait for Brian Singer and tanked that. I'm derailing you, yep. but my goodness, X3, <laughs> that, that whole debacle derailed two franchises. Please, please continue. It's, and it, and it, well, and especially just because X2, the way that that started, oh my God, like you, it just, it was like, we're not even gonna, that is one of the most incredible opening scenes of, mo you know, across a lot of movies, forget superhero movies, just because it doesn't, you're like, what's happening now? Like, <laughs> and just for the time too, the special effects were incredible. And, I, and even now, I, I'd be curious to go see, I haven't seen it in a while too, to go revisit, just to see if it's still Six Atlantic. And the way that they really built up Nightcrawler and his religion, and they mm -hmm. did him so faithfully, despite making his look different. And then in X-Men 3, when he's not in the movie or mentioned ever as why he's not in the movie, <laughs> just, just really, right. really good. Just so good. It's a, it's a bad misstep. So, uh, but so I did notice him. Uh, interesting to have him back in, in the mix. And uh, the only other thing that I really noticed, <laughs> it, and I went back and looked and, and kind of read a couple of recaps, it does appear that... Deadpool is going to take a giant takedown of the 20th Century Fox like <laughs> like I think he's even going to destroy this sign which is amazing. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm very much looking forward to that. I am so fascinated to see what they're going to do because that's that's that part and they don't draw attention to it in the trailer. It's just there. Right. He's literally just having a fight scene in front of the old 20th Century Fox Studios logo. And so I I have a thought about this, right? The <laughs> The kind of assumption based on the trailer, based on what you hear, based on everything, none of this is confirmed, but the kind of assumption is, so you watched Loki, right? And yeah. so uh, both seasons of Loki, great, but the TVU is big deal, you know, pruning timelines, keeping people, you know, in check, all this stuff. Obviously, by the end of Loki season two, they've stopped pruning timelines and they're at Loki's, you know, in the middle, keeping it all orderly despite the branches. So you do mm -hmm. wonder where this is going to fall because in the trailer, they're very clearly, clearly, I think, having Deadpool prune the 20th Century Fox timeline. Now, right. I don't know where that goes or how that, what that shakes out to be, obviously, but they're clearly like going to prune him. Here's my big prediction based on the trailer. There is not spoilers and this is not a rumor i read this is just my prediction based on what i'm mm -hmm. thinking and feeling you have that happy family scene where you have everyone from his recurring cast that has been in the deadpool movies that survived and that he loves right my hot take all of those people are dead in the first 10 minutes every single one of them gets okay. pruned in literally the opening scene before the opening credits. <laughs> I am convinced there's nothing that backs that up, right? But I am convinced okay. that's the first scene in the movie. He opens up about how he's happy and content and he rescued Vanessa because you remember too, what's great is the entire end of Deadpool 2 is time travel and fucking with timelines. That's the entire right. ending of that yeah, movie. Yeah. They can actually do this canonically in theory within whatever they want to do. I think the TVA shows up. They can even reference the end of the movie. And I think the entire first maybe 10 to 15 minutes is a big fight scene. And it's just everyone gets whittled away until it's just Deadpool. Mm. And none of that is based on anything. 
And I, That'd be super on brand with the movies, right? So I agree. And I also think the first person that gets taken out is Peter, guy from X-Force. <laughs> hey, Rob first Delaney. Movie. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I, think, I think he's the first one. He's just, they bring him in and just, and then the last one would be Vanessa for emotional reasons, obviously. And I was, I didn't look at it frame by frame, but I'm blanking on it. Uh, the one, the lucky superhero. She's not in that Domino? scene, right? Well, that's, uh, let's you and I find out correct. together in a part that can be trimmed out for timing. We don't need to include this part, but now I really just want to try it again. You and I can do this together. Let's watch it together. How can listen you to and it, I yeah. hanging out, watching trailers together. Do you see it? Oh we my figured God, it out. Crazy. After all can, the times yeah. you lied to me about Joe Pesci, we figured it out together. <laughs> all those times. <laughs> Who's that? I'm trying to see. Who's in this picture? That that's is the other question. So is it Clearly the same? everybody that's at the party, right? Colossus, Blind Al, Yukio, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Who's the guy with the fucking beard? I don't remember him from either movie. The bald guy with the white beard that's in the party scene oh oh he's uh from the bar he's from the biker bar i'm from the assassin bar and i'm telling you right there he is there representing the assassin bar because they're not hiring dj miller back that's for damn sure he ain't me tj tj no. miller ain't no, happening. No, no. that character would be <laughs> tj miller if tj miller had tj miller himself that's exactly what that would be yeah Negasonic, Dopinder, <laughs> Peter, Colossus in the background, biker guy from the Assassin Bar, and mm -hmm. Vanessa. Yep. I keep calling her Vanessa. Is her name Vanessa? The fuck is her name? Is that her name? Uh, maybe. Vanessa. I still only yes. Think of her as the okay from uh, what was the Showtime show? Where the I guy turns i'm blanking no, on you it. did anyway. great you did Continue. great sounds fantastic i'm really <laughs> impressed it sounds like an amazing show i was it's, um, it's awesome <laughs> very memorable i really. think of her from her two seasons as the lead alien from uh the remake of v on abc a few years ago and i was yeah, doubting yeah. that her name was vanessa even though it is because vanessa is also the name of kingpin's girlfriend in daredevil so Oh, okay. I want to dial back. You see this bald person yep. right here? Mm. My gut reaction is that that's a fake out, and that is still actually Patrick Stewart because he has shrunk it and gotten older and narrower, and I'm convinced that's still him, that they're trying to make it. That's not the bad guy like they're I think everyone's trying to make us think that that's Cassandra Nova, which is in the comics his female mm -hmm. evil twin. I think it's going to be a fake out. I think it's still going to be Patrick Stewart. And there's nothing to back that up except for the fact that, like, he's just gotten really tiny and old. And I'm like, ah, it's still Patrick Stewart. I see it. Because they were saying that the, what, the the Crown's Emma Corrin is confirmed to play a big role in the film. And I think that's I've what, heard that, too. Yeah, that's it's probably her. I just, there's this part of me that thinks they yeah. can't do it without <laughs> him. And they've they've had him in here so often that, it, to me, it almost makes sense. Yeah. What do we think is happening there with all the debris? Is that anything we recognize? Is that anything we know? Because it doesn't look like it to me. But actually, there is some talk that that smoke around the guard is in Loki. Uh, do you remember Alioth when they go or whatever? to like the, yeah, the thing at the, the end of timelines? Yeah. Yes, that, that's it. Yes, that which you know that tracks. I could see that. 
there are a lot of people, myself included, that when we first saw the guy with the mask and the hood, it's like, oh my mm -hmm. God, is that Dr. Doom? I do not in any way think that is Dr. Doom, but sure. I would love it to be Dr. Doom. I, I doubt it. Or some variant of Dr. Doom, if not the Doom that we all think. I think it would be hilarious if they... I, I'm convinced there's going to be more cameos than just Wolverine mm -hmm. and some Marvel people. And obviously Wolverine's right. got a cameo. He's <laughs> in the fucking title. He's going to have a big role. But I'm convinced there's going to be so many more cameos. And I would love it if it's not just the X-Men movies. If they could wrangle in a bear, uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil. If they get like a Jessica oh, Alba Invisible Woman. Or Chris Evans. Hear me out. <laughs> yes. I was just about to say, hear me out. How amazing would it be if they get Chris Evans for this movie, but he isn't Captain America? Oh He's my the God, human that'd be, torch that'd be tremendous. I, I was thinking about this just because I had read the the hints apparently at Secret Wars here, and I know that's the plan. I think for Phase Six or something like that. Uh, and but I, the Fantastic Four movies, plural, but the first one. Um, I did not think was very good, but I thought the the, the guy who played Doctor Doom was pretty good. The guy from Nip Tuck. So if they could have a way to kind of off off him, like he comes in, I'll make oh my god, it's Doctor Doom. But then the real guy who plays Doctor Doom offs him. That would be a funny take on it. My my take on those two thousand five to like two thousand seven Fantastic Four movies is you're right, they're not very good. But I actually thought the casting outside of Jessica Alba was very good. Uh, Jessica Alba was cast because she was hot yeah. both as an actress right. and hot as a person in that era. There's a reason why she's randomly in her underwear in those movies out of nowhere right. when she's the invisible yeah. woman. Why would that happen? It wouldn't. But I've always thought that those those people were let down by the era, not just the material, but the era, because they they were in that era where they were scared to embrace a mm. comic book movie still. It was that post-Spider-Man, pre-MCU era where we yep. got a lot of trash and that they were scared to take the conceit of a comic book to its natural conclusion and they always had to hedge their bets. And that's the same thing with Victor Von Doom in those movies and Doctor Doom is you're right. He would have been such a good Doom, but they couldn't commit to all the aspects of him being Doom the mm. way you would want him to be Doom. And the movie kind of suffers because of it. If he could have cut loose as a real doom you're right i think it would have been even better because mm -hmm. he is very good so the pyro thing that you mentioned that part so i did the same research i did not recognize him at all the first time the first time mm -hmm. i had no idea who the fuck that was and then it was like yeah that's the guy from x-men 2 and 3 and that makes sense because he was a teenager or early 20s at the time <laughs> it's been a while he has aged yeah now that he's aged poorly it's just sure. time ravages us all I'm so excited, and it's it, two thoughts at the end of there for me. The font and the title totally popped me because it's the same font as the actual Deadpool and Wolverine comic book. It just stirred something in me to see that in oh, an actual cool. trailer. It also made me want a Deadpool and Spider-Man movie, as I mm. loved that run of comic books. I've, I can't really think as to if I've read a solo Deadpool run, I've read almost all of his team-up books. Deadpool and Cable, Deadpool and Spider-Man, Deadpool and Wolverine. They've all been fantastic. I have read his Night of the Living Deadpool zombie series, and I've also read his Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe miniseries, the first one, <laughs> not the second one. Those are very good. Seeing that font there and like that logo as I've seen it printed, I was like, ooh, squeal. Mm, nice. the, 
I uh, also good bit for the trailer not showing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine at the end, mm-hmm. but I also feel like that would have played better if they had not released full photos of him in costume during the actor strike sure. to keep the hype up during the delays. Like if there had been no delays, I don't think we would have gotten any photos. It, it was mm-hmm. they needed to keep this in people's minds. What a tease, you know. I know exactly who and what that is, but it looks fantastic. I'm very excited. Marvel needs this both creatively and I think as a hit overall, considering what's happened lately. Yeah, palate cleanser of sorts for sure. Exactly. Uh, any other final thoughts before I move on on that one? No, just uh, when you had texted me about it, I hadn't seen it yet, so I I didn't see it during the because it aired during the Super Bowl, right? And uh, yeah, it's I watched it the day after, and then I saw you know like uh, I. As I go through, I'm like, oh, July. No, I want it next right. week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel that. So lovely. Now, moving into our main topic for today. A couple of weeks ago. In fact, our most downloaded episode. <laughs> we talked about 17 years of must-see TV, NBC Thursday nights. You had dropped a, we should do a TGIF. I think it was a joke during it. But I was like, well, don't threaten me with a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here. Funny thing is, I got reaction. We're going to have less to talk about because there were less lineup changes. There mm. was less happening. It was uh, still a solid decade run of the show. But, man, they found a formula that worked and they stuck with it. That said, let's let's dive into the early history TGIF starts officially in 1989. I say officially because the year before was basically like proto-TGIF. Right. If three of the shows that would be considered TGIF were airing, that's Perfect Strangers, Full House, Just the Ten of Us. There was one episode randomly of a show called Free Spirit that aired on the very first night of TGIF. And then they thought, I don't think we liked that. Let's dial back to just the 10 of us, which had a really good run and also featured multiple cast members from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise as daughters, not just the 10 of us. <laughs> right. I, I, I feel <laughs> like that was really important for everyone to know. Uh, that was Heather yeah. Langenkamp. If you thought, where did Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street go after Nightmare on Elm Street? She went to just the 10 of us. It's a Growing Pain yeah. spinoff, right? That's what Just the Town was? Yes. Yes, yeah. it was. And I love Growing Pains. I wish I could say it was part of this TGIF thing because mm-hmm. I feel like that is a Does TGIF feeling show. Exactly. Sure. Not just from the vibe of the show, but catchy theme song, good opening sure. titles, a lot going on there. I think it caught uh, on on love... its own, right? Like it had it carried by itself, so it didn't need to be kind of weaved in to help itself. <laughs> So we talk about TGIF, but Tuesday night was a really big night for ABC comedies in the early 90s as well. Mm-hmm. And I actually had realized that in doing all of this, did you realize that Full House was really barely a TGIF show? It did mm-hmm. its first two years prior to TGIF. It did the inaugural two years as the anchor 8 o'clock show, 89 to 90 season, 90 to 91 season. And then it was gone from TGIF the rest of the run. It was on Tuesday nights after that. It spent most of its time on Tuesdays, the the second half of its run, of original run on Tuesday nights. Uh, 
I feel like everyone's so closely associated with TGIF, and really it's kind of barely there in its decade-long run from 89 to 2000. That was, I don't know if this fits in here and maybe the later we can kind of put it, but I did like how they tried to brand some of the other stuff later on, if you saw this in the research, but they would try to brand Wednesday nights and they called it the hump. Yes. <laughs> it was it, great. I, I don't know what I respect for. It is ABC trying to give every night of the week a custom title or NBC saying, hey, must-see TV worked every fucking night. Every fucking night is must-see TV. Must-see TV night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Don't fucking leave. <laughs> I'm not sure which one I respect. <laughs> uh, moving to, so the original show, or the original lineup, 89 to 90, mm -hmm. Full House, Family Matters and its debut season, Perfect Strangers, which I adored as a kid, oh, and then the both. single episode of Free Spirit, Just the Town thoughts on that first year any shows you want to dive into immediately uh just from the and i don't know about, did you read the entertainment weekly oral history because there's a I lot did of, not okay there's a lot I of did cool not. please hit me there's yeah. a lot of cool stuff in there that breaks down kind of just the the feel of it the the mindset behind it how they wanted to build the interstitials between each of those shows the idea was the family sit down basically for two hours straight and they were amazed at amazed at how it started to develop and they would get, you know, 90% retention, which is unheard of from, you know, eight to eight 30 to nine to nine 30. It just, it's usually there's a giant drop off. We talked about it must see TV, you know, just even eight 30 sometimes would get that, but not always. Most of that must see TV wasn't about must see TV Thursday. It was about the eight 30 spot and how it kept failing and mm -hmm. it couldn't retain that audience. Yeah. TGIF did not have that. And you note the interstitials. I did read that the interstitials, which were always a big part of it, started on Tuesdays with Perfect Strangers. Mm -hmm. When Perfect Strangers came to Fridays, they brought the interstitials with them. The first TGIF officially branded was Full House because I have that promo here on YouTube and I'm going to play it. <laughs> this is on YouTube. First official ABC TGIF footage. Okay. Let's enjoy these these 20 seconds together show Full House. Then we'll premiere a new show called Family Matters. Right, then after that, premiere Perfect Strangers and a special sneak preview of Free Spirit. Yeah, you see, it's about this really good-looking housekeeper. Uh, she's a witch, you know, so she's got that going for it. There you go. Then it goes right into Full House. Yeah. Here's the takeaway from that for me. That's all fine overall. <laughs> Dave Coulier absolutely is doing his Bill Murray from the real Ghostbusters there. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where he dives into a Caddyshack line at, at the end. He's got that going for him, which is good. All he's doing in that voice, that is not a goofy voice. That is his Peter Venkman from The Real Ghostbusters. <laughs> like, you motherfucker, you, you, were, you, you only had a few bits you knew how to do. Yeah. Come on now, cut it out. Um, <laughs> oh, so the other thing, and... Uh, just that I noticed from that oral history, and there's a few other things we can weave in, but specifically from that first season of Family Matters, and this is important because it, it shows Family Matters kind of skyrocketing, that obviously a wholesome show that tackled a lot of good family themes that people could feel good about and laugh along with. But uh, originally, Steve Urkel, obviously Jaleel White, was just a ancillary character. He was just going to kind of show up and, and do whatever. And on the day of that taping, when it kind of blew up, there was a uh, frat. So Jaleel White talks about this. There's a frat that was in the studio audience and every time he came out they would be like chanting like Urkel, Urkel and <laughs> when there weren't scenes with 
Steve uh, Steve Urkel in it. He said they were like yelling out like, "What is this shit? We want the nerds." <laughs> <laughs> And so he was like amazed at that kind of reaction. And he said that, all right, they taped this on a Thursday or a Friday. And then, you know, he thought it was just going to be a bit part. He was still in, you know, public school or wherever he was going to school. He went back to school on Monday. They pulled him out of school that next Monday to be like, yeah, you're coming back to this show for an extended (laughs) run. And here we go. And then Urkel Mania took off. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of that. Not from reading the article that you read that was clearly well-researched and has a lot of interviews and valid points. I know that from that Key and Peele sketch where oh, uh, right. <laughs> where, where Jaleel White is essentially a crime lord and threats uh, <laughs> uh, Reginald Vell Johnson playing Carl to just stay in line Amazing. and don't fuck this up. Yes, that's that was, I imagine, a real... Uh, that was just like documentary footage in my mind. Mm-hmm. So... I'm really fascinated by this free spirit show simply because it was, why did it only air an episode? They, I guess they would probably never thought that they were going to do anything with it there because they do say it is a special preview. I was also looking at the, I just briefly kind of clicked on it. It didn't look like it fell under the Miller boy stuff, I think. So maybe it was a different production company or something like that. That was just kind of left over from something else. And they're like, Oh, well, we'll kind of just grandfather this in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, only lasted an episode, so yeah. <laughs> we, got, we got this. We got the special sneak preview, and that was about it. It, it makes me laugh too, because I know there were other shows on TGIF that you do associate with TGIF. Mm-hmm. But those Miller Boyant Productions, it's not just the style of show; it's the visual look of the show. Right? Sure. It's not the content; it's the theme song, the text, every text, opening man. credit, every opening credit, big chunky yellow text, yep. every single one that is our font that is our shit Let's don't forget it. sweeping scenic of insert city here <laughs> yes yes 100 percent. and that every single one of those show those themes is a fucking banger oh it's true they know how to do that All right <laughs> so the first season obviously that's great and i believe that is i want to confirm did just the 10 of us was that their last season or did they simply move to another night? That was their last season. Okay. So the first official, even though they were there for the proto seasons before it, they only did one TGIF year, but they were kind of there before that. Gotcha. Second year TGIF, 90 to 91. Full house. Family Matters is for the first half of the year. Then Dinosaurs. Perfect Strangers. Then Family Matters for the second half of the year at 9 o'clock. Then... Baby Talk, and then Perfect Strangers, second half season at 9.30 after Family Matters. Right. Nice little switcheroos there for everything <laughs> as they get dinosaurs into place. Okay. Which, as a kid, I loved dinosaurs. I can't talk about it. I, I, we're going we're gonna to dive in. I'm, I was prepping. I was like, am I going to tell this story or not? I am going to tell this story. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with the show Dinosaurs. Okay. I've always thought it was a bad reaction to a medication. I had like a panic attack as an eight-year-old at after-school daycare. Mm-hmm. I like, I flipped and like I had to, I was like hiding in the school cafeteria with a baby Sinclair stuffed animal. That was the only thing that I would let near me. And I had to call my dad and he had to take me home from childcare. Mm-hmm. And, 
it was so weird and I never had anything like that happen again. And I was taking like an apoxicillin type thing at the okay. time. Mm-hmm. We all kind of thought I had like a bad reaction to it and I don't know what it was or it just went insane that the pressure of being an eight-year-old got to me. I don't know. These mm. things happen, Randy. <laughs> well, t- how, how, how old is your son? 11. So around the time he was eight or nine, did he have any panic attacks? In the he didn't. He's allergic to amoxicillin, which is weird. So, oh, <laughs> um, oh my god! Oh my god! That's he was spared. This all makes sense now. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm just glad he was spared this trauma. Side effects <laughs> may cause bizarre reactions to ABC primetime comedies. <laughs> When I think of the show Dinosaurs, I don't think of what was probably... I can't say... Was it a good show? Be honest. Because I know it and I've seen it. Was it a good show? It tailored to its audience. So, I mean, it was very much like, you know, kids are going to enjoy Muppet-looking things. And, a you know, when they brought the the baby in, the baby had a couple different... I'm the baby, not the mama, had a couple different catchphrases. So kids love that shit. So, and... Um, and I'm sure you, you've done it too, where you've listened to the DVD commentaries of the Simpsons. And there's one at one point where they, they mock it on the, the watching TV and then someone just comes out one of the writers or whoever's doing the DVD commentary just comes out and says, I'm going to say it. Dinosaurs is a ripoff of the Simpsons or whatever. And it kind of is, but yeah. it's, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Considering the timeline too of development, mm-hmm. there's no way it wasn't a reaction to the Simpsons. It was, well, we need to come up with our own edgy family with a twist. Uh, you're, yes. It was the Simpsons. There are certain things that happen when a pop culture revolution happens. Yeah. And that always involves ripoff shows. You had it after Friends. You had it after the Batman movies when superhero movies, that first wave of really shitty superhero movies. Mm-hmm. In The Simpsons, it was let's try to do edgy families. Right. And that, that isn't just cartoons, it was any variety that they wanted to try. And Dinosaurs is definitely one of them. It's, I remember. It's favorably. I remember why. Well, I mean, I was 10 or whatever at the time. So I remember watching it and enjoying it and quoting it with my friends and stuff like that. So it, it, it served its purpose for the people that they were trying to get to watch it. The, that's it, because I don't think it will necessarily, you know, in the next few years of talking the schedule, if we come back to it, it does have a ballsy finale if you've never seen it or are aware of it. They really it's, go for it. Right. It's the, is it the comet or whatever? And they're just. It's over. It's the ice age. It's the ice age. It's the, the, it's Earl. And they really lead into global warming and a lot of environmental topics. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I don't remember the show well enough. And in the last years they tried to go for it or if it was, we're getting canceled. Let's go for it in the last one. Yeah. But they really hammer home the environmental stuff and Earl causes global warming and an ice age happens and, it's all of the dinosaurs family in their home going, I'm sure it'll all work out as they shiver in the cold. It's dark. Oof. It is dark. The other, so. I, the other thing I remember about it is, <laughs> it, and another speaking to that is that Robbie gets, uh, there's an episode where he's battling with people that are assured that the earth is flat and he goes back and forth and so he gets punished by the courts or whatever and he says my sentence must be you have to walk me to the end of the earth and they just walk all the way around the earth uh it's it's one of those things that without realizing it you're bringing up kind of a a shot at people like that it's interesting it's good so looking at that year and i am stunned stunned i say to see this show 
hmm. not just at the 1991 season, but the 9192 yep. season. Because one, I remember it clearly. <laughs> I don't remember being good, but I remember it clearly. Baby talk. Oh yeah. Do you remember baby talk? It was it was look who's talking. It was yeah. look who's talking. And it wasn't just look who's talking. It was Look Who's Talking from some of the creators from Look Who's Talking. Oh, wow, okay. But there had been a show that was on until 1986 called Look Who's Talking. So oh, wow. I don't know if because of that, they're like on TV that was too recent or if they just wanted to differentiate themselves enough or if they thought the the TV show audience was too fucking stupid. Who knows? <laughs> but they they called it baby talk wow and you know who was in baby talk don't you george clooney <laughs> yeah yeah with the voice of tony danza as the baby instead of bruce willis because you know tv budgets I sure <laughs> and and when i say it was from the same creative team it was basically amy heckerling you know of okay. clueless and mm -hmm. fast time original high who had a lot of input on luke who's talking and had directed the original movie she helped to create the characters for the show and it helped to direct those original scripts but also it wasn't look who's talking shut the fuck up it wasn't look who's talking <laughs> it was look who's talking that was oh, i do remember that i'm, I'm looking on the side here that that it, it, at times i will sit there and i'll go to myself they the i like bread and butter i like toast and jam or whatever and i'm like yeah. that, was the, that was the beginning of it and i'll sit there and i'll go that was the beginning of a show what show was it it was indeed the theme song to baby talk and listen if you don't want to if you need to look any further that this was the store brand look who's talking and look who's talking it was baby mikey and in Baby Talk, it's Baby Mickey. So <laughs> they are not hiding that very clearly. So moving on to, do you see, that? did you look at like the actual programming block on like Wikipedia? Mm -hmm. Do you see the Hi Honey, I'm Home that aired in the summer of 1991? Do you remember this I show? I have no idea what that is. I remember it because I remember being so angry at it because we have talked about in other episodes how big of a like old sitcom Nick at Night person I was. I watched mm -hmm. a lot of Nick at Night. Randomly, one night of the week during this year, they would not actually air any old sitcoms. They would air like two episodes of Hi, Honey, I'm Home, <laughs> which was sponsored. It was like developed by Nick at Night aired originally it would air first on TGIF then on Sundays it would air on Nick at Night okay. and it was a fake 50 sitcom it was Pleasantville it was okay. the 50 and it wasn't by when I say it was Pleasantville I mean that's sort of a concept because Pleasantville is really good mm -hmm. and this wasn't <laughs> it was a 50 sitcom family gets canceled and they move into the suburbs in the 90s. It was like kind of doing the Brady Bunch movie, which is also good before mm -hmm. the Brady Bunch movie. Mm -hmm. So great concept, I guess, in theory of what they're trying to go for, terrible execution. Okay. The only thing that's worth noting is the like attractive blonde, you know, preppy popular daughter played by Julie Benz, who would later go on to be Rita on Dexter. So. Oh, okay. There you go. So when we talked at this at the beginning, I was saying I feel like we're going to have a lot less to talk about because there's a lot of consistencies in schedules. Mm -hmm. 
When you move on to the 91-92 season, Family Matters is still there. Perfect Strangers is still there. Baby Talk fucking is still there. <laughs> Dinosaurs is still there. There are two new shows, and one of them is big. At 8.30, you get what becomes, in my mind, another TGIF anchor show, Step by Step. Okay. And I love Step by Step. Hot take of the classic, like, Miller Lambert, or sorry, Miller Lambert, of the classic Miller Boyette themes, my favorite TGIF theme song. Take really? that in the full house. It mm. is. It I is. I can't I'm go sorry. with you there. I'm Perfect Strangers all the way, but. I love Perfect Strangers. <laughs> that is a great theme. I love Perfect Strangers. But they hadn't worked out the formula. It was mm. early. It was the first one. It was like pre-everything. It was, here's the thing about step-by-step. I got I got to pause while I look up one extra thing. Yep. Here's the thing about step by step. The dream got broken. Seemed like all was lost. What oh, would boy. be the future? Could you pay the cost? You wonder, um, will there ever be a second, second time around? Time around? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> when the tears are over and the moment has come, say, my Lord, I think I found someone. And no one would be better to be putting it together for the second time around. Randy, it's about redemption. Mm-hmm. It's about finding your second chance because we got the woman and man. We got the kids in a clan. Only time will tell if all these dreams fit under one umbrella. Step by step, day by day. A fresh start over a different hand to play. The deeper we fall, the stronger we stay. And we'll be better the second time around. Step by step, day by day. A fresh start over and a different hand to play. Only time will tell me, you know what they say, we'll make it better. The second time. Aren't you fucking inspired? Uh, all I could think of is the glasses kid sneezing in the popcorn and going down the, the roller coaster <laughs> while you're reciting <laughs> that. <laughs> Fuck you, man. That's good shit. I don't care. I don't care. That being said, let's... I mean, Family Matters team is pretty good, too, man. Like, I, Dang, there's I a lot of good ones. All up. I'm going to bring these up, and we are going to compare dramatic readings since I can't play the songs legally and have this episode go out. Like, we've already pushed our I mean, I, some audio I, in the past. I want to see. Can I do? It's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on newspaper page. You are not selling your themes, sir. Oh, I'm trying. Well, I'm doing it from memory. I'm not reading it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. My I'm bad. trying to see if My I can bad. do it without. Yeah. I mean, first off, great. I didn't realize as you were going for. I just yeah. thought you were like like giving it the most listless reading of all time and i was really disappointed in you no (laughs) i now recognize what you're going gotcha sorry please continue i'm listening i want i've Uh, got the lyrics here i have to look up the rest of it now actually no 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 no. (laughs) i want to see start over i want to see how far you get okay i i I think i'm going to miss that second part so it's a rare condition this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page uh i don't know it's something something of a grand design Yes, you are right. Love some, and tradition. Love and tradition design. of a grand design. Because some people say it's oh, something harder to find. Even harder. Even harder. And to that's find. the ramp up. But there must be some magic glue inside these clue clue inside gentle these wall. gentle walls. Because all I see is the tower of dreams, real love bursting out of every seam. As days go by, it's a bigger love with the family. Did they cut verses out later on? Because I don't remember these middle verses. I, I think they would do those on like the when they would have those ABC shows where they would re, like preview oh, 
the shows yeah, they would yeah, yeah. they would that's when they would you would hear the whole thing or these were like for like right. abc upfronts and stuff oh, like that yeah. they would play it at, uh yeah kind of like how you never heard the whole cheers theme and those like middle verses are right. fucking weird which i still love now back to abc i kind of want to quiz you but i really listen the perfect strangers theme is a banger because <laughs> sometimes the worlds look perfect nothing to rearrange sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. I'm going to cue you to see where you're at. You don't have the lyrics in front of you, do I you? I don't. So. Okay, good. I'm going to not tell you when I'm okay. here. I just want to yeah. see if you can pick it up. I'm going to hit the cadence. Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. No matter what the odds are this time, nothing's going to stand in my way, Randy. What do you got? Oh... I'll tell you, Randy. Something, something, this, this long lost soul. Ah. The flame in my heart, like a long lost friend, gives every dark street a light at the end. What, Standing Randy? Tall. Yes, on the wings. Standing tall so on the wings of my dreams. dreams. Rise and fall. <laughs> I want. It's so hard not to sing it. It's so uh, hard. It is. <laughs> I am telling you also, though, that I want to. I have a church rope in my closet that. We don't need to get into how I have it or why I have it. I'm not religious. That's not into why or how I have a church robe in my closet, like a choir robe. I, today, after we're done doing this, am putting that on and filming a TikTok where, and I'm going to make it a series, where I make old TGIF themes church sermons. <laughs> oh, it's totally, it's so work. I am recording that as soon as we are done with it. <laughs> so I need you to I will record yes. That. So there you go. And if anyone uh who follows me online for social media, Mike Barcode, M I K E B A R C O D E. Oh, I'm hitting the plugs earlier this week instead of at the end mm. on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, listens to this after that comes out, because that's how it's gonna time out. Hi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. <laughs> Leave a comment. You're the best. You're 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 my friend, not in that you're my real friend, please don't talk to me in real life. You terrify me. <laughs> but you are my social media friend, and I appreciate your support. But but also, you terrify me, because stranger danger. <laughs> Where were we? So, Moving on. <laughs> moving on. I don't know the show Billy. Do you know the show Billy that aired in the 91-92 season? It's the one uh, outlier. Yeah. Um, I looked up a little bit of it, and then I remembered it briefly just because i was a big head of the class fan so it was a spinoff of head of the class because the last season billy Connolly was the teacher when howard hessman left the show so that's what billy was he like moved to the west coast or something like that but it, it ah, wasn't on very long wow. but that was the spinoff i didn't realize that was a spinoff also looking at mm -hmm. this cast list really interesting timing did you see who was in the cast the same year he would be in his career breakout role that fall Oh, yeah. Well, I pulled it up, so I'm cheating. But no, yeah, you, Johnny, are you talking Johnny Galecki? Johnny yeah. Galecki. David on Roseanne, yeah. later the Big Bang Theory. But mm -hmm. that's one of those things where you, I, I love talking. What did you do? We talked about this in some of the other shows. What did you do right before your big break that no one remembers? Johnny Galecki made Billy. So, Fascinating. Actually, and so when was that? That's Billy, but... Roseanne debuted in 1992, did Yeah, but I'm... I'm also looking, when was Christmas oh Vacation? Oh, my God, no. Roseanne debuted in 88. It had been on for four years. Yeah. When did David, when did Johnny Galecki show up, though? 
okay, so Johnny Galecki still didn't show up until after that show, though. He did not even become a recurring cast member until the fourth season. So this holds. Okay. This this holds. I'm not full of shit. While Roseanne had been, he had on, already he had already been in he'd already been in Christmas Vacation at this point too, because that was '89. He was played Russ in Christmas Vacation at that point. So yep. So interesting. He was recurring that fall. Fascinating stuff. I love TV. TV is fun. Where I Live is the other new show that was on at 9.30 that week. So, <laughs> oh, oh boy. So. What was it? And Camp Wilder was new too, right? Oh, did I skip Camp Wilder? I did skip Camp yeah. Wilder. I was moving on to the second half. <laughs> Which we could move on. It doesn't really. <laughs> Camp Wilder. I was convinced that was going to be like a Gene Wilder failed sitcom. But no, it's a Jerry O'Connell and Jay Moore failed sitcom with Hillary Swank. Pre, yeah. is that what year did she do? That is pre yeah. the next Karate Kid, so it's real early. Okay. And the girl that plays her daughter, the daughter of the main character, is Tina Majorino, who is your from your favorite movie, Napoleon Dynamite. Moving on. So, <laughs> I have nothing to add. If you can't say anything nice, fuck you. Fair I'm enough. telling you why. I don't like mm-hmm. that movie. Okay, <laughs> now back to where I live. This was great. And when I say great, this just makes me laugh. Because it's a mid-season replacement show. Uh, it is about a Trinidadian teenager living in the Harlem section of New York City. He lives with his caring, hardworking parents. Sounds like a nice, like, good like quality show it had two seasons it moved nights after its first year on tjf but you know why it got a second season randall you know why it got a second season support from fans support from fans and one very special man one very special fan mr bill cosby so oh my he became a consultant on the show in the second year however the Huh. Ratings, the show was moved to Saturday nights and it got canceled. I think, wasn't, and I just looked that up and didn't realize Dougie Doug from Cool Runnings fame um, was actually in the second, like, uh, the CBS Cosby show, right? Yes, yes, he was. Which, as considering mm-hmm. he was the lead on this, that's probably where they linked up. That actually makes a lot of sense now. And I watched mm-hmm. the hell out of that second Cosby show growing up. My grandma loved it. And, you know, people loved mm-hmm. Bill Cosby until they didn't for very good reason, for extremely Indeed. good reason. Just remember, <laughs> yes. all these people that you loved once, they were all monsters. They were all of them, mm. every single one. Did you think of that really nice Brutal. celebrity that you loved that uh, was never a monster? You're wrong. He was a murderer. He was a murderer. Every one of them. They're all monsters. No, just mm-hmm. just take my word on this. Don't do any research. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Next year, this is a big one. And I feel like I remember us talking about this, that it was a big one for me, but our three to four year age difference, you just missed this one. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like how growing up, I had a lot of friends who were into the Power Rangers, but I just missed the cutoff where I didn't care about the Power Rangers. Yeah. This next show, huge for me, you don't care, Boy Meets World. You're absolutely right. Yes. (laughs) So... Boy Meets World debuts in the 93-94 season. It becomes the 8.30 show. It becomes a staple of TGIF. You get a pretty good lineup for the next two years. Your next three years, you get Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Step by Step, 
and hanging with Mr. Cooper. They do briefly experiment mm-hmm. with Sister Sister, which I did not realize was ever a TGIF show, but they, they gave it half a year in that 93-94 season. They went, no, we're moving you to another night. Actually, no, we're moving you to the WB. We're moving you to the WB, <laughs> and we're going to stick with hanging with Mr. Cooper. And man, from 93 to 96, minus a couple mid-season replacements and experiments that we'll cover, you get Family Matters, Boy Meets World, step-by-step, hang with Mr. Cooper. And that is a pretty iconic lineup that I think a lot of people remember. And I remember very mm. fondly. Why sure. do you, do you, is it just that you missed Boy Meets World or did you actively dislike Boy Meets World? I think I tuned it out. I don't know if I just didn't watch it as much. Starting to get into, like you said, a couple years old and you starting again the beginning of high school yeah. for me, yeah. especially in that 96 era. So uh, probably just Friday nights was paying less attention mm-hmm. to, to TV, but. That's possible. That makes so much sense because I grew up with Boy Meets World in the way they grew up, right? Because they were mm. junior high when I was middle school-ish because okay. they their last, what, two seasons, they were in college. And their last two seasons, I was in high school. So there was just gotcha. that, like, even though I'm in high school. Very close. Yes, yeah, there's a correlation of I keep watching because they got older as I got older. So we, I didn't necessarily age out of it. I aged with it, you know? So you stick with it for gotcha. the run. And it's 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 a good show. I will always remember. And it's one of those shows that I actually think got better with time because that first two or three years when they're in middle school or junior high or whichever it was, isn't that great it's very they're young it's very cartoony then they hit high school they hit those years of college and it they aged the show up in how they presented it as well Mm -hmm. because i i was like this is a soap opera all of a sudden and you get hit when Corey kissed that girl at the ski lodge you fucking (laughs) hussy you hussy you you sound you sound different. Did you move your mic or is that my headphones? That's not okay. Sorry, there you go. Hello? Check. No, One, two, three, eight. You, you sound okay. either louder or better. I'm not sure. It threw me off, Ooh. frankly. You sounded way louder, and I was like, what happened? Why? What's going on right now? <laughs> I, I Audio, and I'm leaving this in because I need the listeners to acknowledge the audio quality difference. Leave a comment if he sounds wildly different to you now than he just did. Hmm. Dialing back okay. to that fucking whore that kissed Corey Matthews in the ski lodge when Topanga oh and now listen I get it's it's the teenage version of Ross and Rachel they were on a break and it's always going to be that debate right. right they were on a break but Topanga would have made up Corey you love Topanga you got married you had the sequel series with your kids where that girl came back or they made reference to it that fucking wow. that fucking hussy that hussy <laughs> Who, by the way, was <laughs> she was played? What the hell is her name? Uh, she's played by Linda Cardellini. So she, she was oh, played okay. by Linda Cardellini. Come on, dude. Right. Which, yeah, which I guess, I guess. Nothing against the Pango, but I mean. Oh, so you're you're sitting here saying you'd break up your marriage for Linda Cardellini? 
He didn't do that. No, Come I'm on. putting you on the spot. I'm saying that you're looking at this situation. But that's not what Corey you're did. You're looking, he did. He broke up. Was he engaged when that happened? No, I'm I saying he weirdly somehow broke up your marriage. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. So... <laughs> I was unaware my marital problems were related to Linda Cardellini. Wait, hang on. You're saying you have marital problems currently because <laughs> of the world? Randy, hang on. I want to put on <sighs> no, my... No, I don't. That... Please my, stop. My glasses. I need to put my glasses on. I'm wearing contacts. I'll switch them out so we're dramatic. <sighs> I want you... Unfortunately, this will not get edited out. For the not. record, I do not. Randy... You will edit this out, Randy, but... <laughs> Randy, does the wife listen to the podcast? Because she's aware of it. We've talked about that. Has she listened to a single <sighs> episode yet? Are you going to cut in the, well, it's a bit of an, a redemptive arc like you did for the, uh, when I, <laughs> oh, I forgot about horribly that. like other things. I forgot about, no, no, I promise no fake audio. You've incriminated yourself enough with the real audio. Don't you worry <sighs> about so. how you're married. Moving on. Does, you didn't answer. Does she listen to the podcast? Has she listened to it at all? Uh, no, has not. <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> a drama no bother. Sorry, that la that laugh makes me think of uh, Return of the Jedi. I was kind of like, oh, oh, Jabba, no bother. <laughs> All right. Folks, remember when we warned you that we'd get slap happy? Uh, I think we're there. <laughs> Jabba, no bother. Where were we? Boy meets world. Anyway, uh, did you watch Hang with Mr. Cooper or had that one escaped you as well? I did. Okay. I liked Hang with Mr. Cooper. So I, don't, I don't know if... Um... Maybe they, I thought they aired that on a different They night, did. But, they did uh, for a few nights. Okay. Uh, they, they had aired on a few nights. I believe it also is one of the shows that moved to the WB as well. No? Uh, yes. They understood. The X-Files, when did that start? Because this also contributed to some of my, uh, I guess, abandonment of TGIF. And what I would do a lot, this is probably why I didn't watch Boy Meets World, is I would tape it. If I wasn't there, and then I would watch the previous week's episode leading into the live episode if I was at home. So a lot of times between eight and nine or whatever, I was watching last week's X-Files leading up to this X-Files. So that's probably why I didn't really get in Boy Meets World. I would love to figure out, because we're talking about all these things into the mid to late 90s. There was a time when Friday night TV, TV was still extremely viable. Mm -hmm. You could put a show on Friday and build an audience. When did that change? And it's outside of TGIF. You're talking about the X-Files on Fox. That was a, a, a drama series. When sure. did that change? When could you stop building an audience on a Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I have to be around the turn of the century, right around 2000. I mean, it's I guess it, it doesn't seem like they blocked towards it as soon as that hit. Like, as soon as, I don't know what, if I that was the rise of the internet, maybe? Or, that that uh, could be it, too. But it still seems, I don't feel like I have a solid answer, personally. Uh, the only other show that aired in that gap that we're talking, or that three-year series that we're talking about, where the shows didn't change much, was a show called On Our Own, and it has yet another actor who has never had any controversies, who is universally beloved, uh, Jesse Smollett. And it's, <laughs> he's he's <laughs> never had an <laughs> issue. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the entire show starred his entire family. If you look at the cast list right very odd but good for them i as as i'm looking at the brief research or whatever on wikipedia like the the title thing is just the text over a shot of st louis i i, I would love to break down just 
what opening city or <laughs> phases we go through. So funny. Here's my take on why this show failed without ever having watched it. You know why this show failed? You were looking at Wikipedia. Look at that font. Mm -hmm. The font's wrong. That's not a TGIF font. That's true. That's not. What is, They're adding some green into it. What is weird. what is this horse shit? You had made that a yellow block text font. 19 seasons. Minimum. Minimum 19 yep. seasons. <laughs> All right. Moving back. So we are already into 95-96. Yep. Then we move to 96-97, which to me, I, I in doing my research, this was the last... In my mind, I thought this was when TGIF ended. It goes for three more years. In my mind, right. this is the last kind of classic year, and maybe even before was the last classic year, 95, 96, when you had that okay. Family Matters, Boy Meets World, Step-by-Step Hang with Mr. Cooper. You get 96, 97. You still have the anchor show of Family Matters, which I guess okay. as long as that's there, it's probably still TGIF, right? Then you get Boy Meets World for half the season at 830. The first half is Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is a smash hit. You cannot deny Sabrina mm -hmm. the Teenage Witch yep. was a big deal. It was a big hit. I watched it. A lot of people watched it. I don't know if you watched it again. It could be an age thing. But that was, mm -hmm. it did its first half on TGIF before its next half was on the WB. And I don't need to backtrack that. I've double-checked it already, verified. It went TGIF, TGIF okay. ended, and it went, we're going to the WB. Gotcha. So then it had, ooh, this was not good. The debut season of the Clueless TV show, which mm, right. after TGIF, it, Bomb, yeah, right. <laughs> you think it did. However, after that first season, it moved to the UPN. You just forgot about it. The debut of UPN oh, okay. happened. It got two more seasons on UPN, which I did not expect. Wow, okay. Then... Sabrina filled that in for the second half at 9 o'clock. And then you had the second half. They did a lot of shuffling, right, this year. If you mm -hmm. look at Family Matters at 8 o'clock, at 8.30 throughout the season, you had Sabrina and Bobby's World. At 9 o'clock throughout the season, you had Clueless and Sabrina. Then at 9.30 throughout the season, you had Bobby's World, Clueless, and Step by Step. Okay. So step by step, still hanging in there, but it is the the end of step by step. It's it's nearing. Say, those kids were getting older, weren't yes, they? Like, you know, well, <laughs> who who'd you ride with? Who was your who was your favorite kid out of all those? Got to look up all their names again. I probably would have wanted to ride with Dana, even though she would have insulted me. Family matters ends at the end of ninety seven. Then you have Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Again, big well, hit. It didn't, it didn't end, right? It went to CBS, right? Did it? Did I miss that? I think it did for a, at least a season, yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird on CBS. They, like, leaned completely into super it surreal did. stuff. It did. Oh, and there's one, the, there one of the... There are two of the greatest episodes of Family Matters ever, and I will get into this, where the Halloween episodes where um, Urkel creates a doll that gets possessed. I remember then, that one. Oh, it's so good. That was a CBS episode? It's not good, episode? but it's so good. I'm pretty sure, yeah. The finale was a two-parter where Steve goes into space, which I also remember. My goodness. Yep. I don't know if I remember these episodes from first run on CBS, because obviously that show has been in reruns for a very long time, played in a lot sure. of arenas. But that's fascinating. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Anyway, Sabrina becomes the new anchor show. 
The only show that kind of is from the old guard, I feel like, is Boy Meets World. There is mm-hmm. a show called You Wish, which I do not recall. Doesn't have anyone that I remember, except for Jerry Van Dyke as a genie. Jerry Van Dyke in the show Coach, also on ABC. There is a show, however, I do remember. And what fascinates me is the pedigree of this show. The show Teen Angel. Did you do any research on the show? I didn't. I'm so glad you didn't so that I could break this to you. So the show Teen Angel, I'm going to read you the premise. Please don't look it up while I'm reading. I want to give this news to you fresh. So Mm -hmm. Teen Angel follows a high school boy and his recently deceased best friend who died from eating a six-month-old hamburger under Steve's bed on a dare. He is sent back to Earth as Steve's guardian angel. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yes. Read that part again. (laughs) Did you remember this, or do you just need to hear it again? No, no, just read. How did he die? Teen Angel follows a high school boy and his recently deceased best friend. His best friend ate a six-month-old hamburger from under Steve's bed on a dare, and he died. (laughs) And he is sent back to Earth as Steve's Why would guardian he not think angel. That was well, he's clearly, you know, whatever. Marty's guide is. It all a... worked out, I guess, right? Marty, Marty, the angel has his own guide, which is a disembodied head who identifies himself as Rod, as Rod, God's cousin. A running gag throughout <laughs> the series is Rod is also is often mistaken for God himself. Oh, so. My. Marty, as a supernatural being, would frequently break the fourth wall. For instance, prior to the opening credits of the episode Grumpy Young Man, Marty explains the absence of Steve's mother and the return of his father to viewers within the show. It was canceled after only 13 episodes. I'm sorry, no, that's You Wish was canceled after only 13 episodes. <laughs> Teen Angel was canceled after 17 episodes. Oh, oh big time. It has Maureen McCormick from the Brady Bunch as the mother of the in the show. Jerry Van Dyke moved over to this show after Uish was canceled <laughs> to do the last five episodes. There's a decent amount of that across TGIs. Uh, Ron Glass played Rod, God's cousin. You may remember Ron Glass from Barney Miller, or later on he was in Firefly and Serenity for for mm, more okay. modern fans. He was Shepard Book. Here's the part I've been waiting to get to. Why I didn't want you to look Mm -hmm. it up. The creators of this show, executive producers and showrunners, are Al Jean and Mike Reese, who show ran seasons three, four of The Simpsons. The Simpsons, And then they went on to to create The Critic. And then Al Jean came back and ran seasons 15 through 31 of The Simpsons. So, no, season 15 wow. through 28, whatever. He was there a long fucking time. And in the meantime, they made this. <laughs> it's between coming back to The Simpsons, after The Critic, oh. after all of these massive successes they have had, they made Teen Angel. And here's my question to you, Randy. I've done no research on this, and I don't know if I want to. You'll notice that when Al Jean came back to The Simpsons, he came back without Mike Reese. What happened on Teen Angel? <laughs> <laughs> that their partnership dissolved. Oh, it was Mike they, Reese, was he know. like, I'm done. They forced each other to watch I'm the show. Done. I don't I'm know. Like... done. I'm done. <laughs> Moving back to the TGIF lineup. Because my goodness, we we this took a long time. We've gone off the rails again. 
Then we get into what doesn't feel like TGIF to me for the last two years. We have yeah. a show called Two of a Kind, which I don't remember at all. I think that was that was the Olsen twins it like next was. project. They tried it just yeah. do great. Then yep. Boy Meets World's still there. Then we have Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place, which is a very seminal show. It only ran three or four years, but was a big deal. Ryan Reynolds star. I remember it very fondly Me too. too. I, I remember it. I don't know how it was. <laughs> then we have a show I don't recall called Brothers Keeper. Which was a sitcom that ran for one season around the rocky coexistence of Porter Wade and his irresponsible pro football player brother, and who is contractually obligated to move into his house to help him change his troublemaking ways. Whatever, don't care about that. Here's why I want to know about this show. It stars William Ragsdale, who I've always been fascinated by because he was in Fright Night and he was later on the show Herman's Head. I feel like I want to do oh, an okay. entire rewatch with you of the show Herman's Head, and we will we will <laughs> dissect it. I have nothing else to talk about okay. there. Just Herman's Head. Great. Then the last show, there's two shows that make the cut here. The Hughleys, which is another one that starts on ABC and TGIF, then moves to UPN. Yep. I remember liking it. I just thought, oh, that was fun. Then it moved to UPN. I don't know if I ever saw it again. Then Odd Man Out, which I don't remember at all. But it's it's your classic, it's a man in a woman's world. He's a 15-year-old man in a house full of women. Sisters, widowed mom, doesn't have a male role model, it's sick. Aren't women crazy, et cetera, et cetera. It was replaced by the reality show Making the Band. It was the last new sitcom to debut on TGIF in the original classic run of TGIF. It would end both the show... And TGIF in the year 2000. <laughs> it would have some revivals, but the revivals we're not going to get into here. Randy, is there anything you want to talk about with any of those shows? Hugh Lee's Odd Man Out, making the band. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can thank O-Town and Danity Kane and all those uh, boy and girl band groups that uh, that came out of uh, making the band. Very, very exciting stuff. We didn't talk about the other anchor show for the entire decade of TJF. That isn't technically TGIF, but you would know, oh, I guess TJF is over when 2020 started. 2020. And Hugh Downs and Bob from Walter showed up at 10 o'clock. And ah, fuck. I'm, I'm, that was... I'm 10 or 12 and I don't care about this. I, I I remember in that oral history that I referenced for, on Entertainment Weekly, they, they, they talk about that where it was just like, did, your, did the parents get to the TV quick enough to change the channel as 2020 comes on and talks about some gruesome, horrifying, you know, <laughs> serial killer that's committing murders across the country that you clearly don't want your 10-year-old to see? Right. Also, 2020 is still on. 2020 has outlasted yeah. everything and everyone. Fascinating. It's, it's 60 minutes, man. I would like to note the pivot in material that happened the next season. Uh, two Guys and a Girl becomes the anchor show at 8 o'clock, which really fit with a more modern vibe. That is a show that I have fond memories of, but probably wasn't good. I need to revisit it. I just remember it being weird. And Norm was Norm. The Ooh. Norm McDonald's yeah. sitcom that lasted three years. That shit was never going to be on TGIF. You knew they were switching gears. <laughs> but that's that's it. Any final thoughts on TGIF as a whole? Anything you want to get into? Anything you want to? Anything I missed? Anything you want to talk about? Just a pretty revolutionary way to to approach 
getting people to stick around and take into realizing that the kids that were growing up, so people that were in that high school and college age weren't going to have any interest in Friday night viewing. So let's market it towards kids and parents and to find this kind of yeah. uh, almost kitschy, uh, but feel good comedies there was a they they said there's a lot of physical comedy on purpose and a lot of the shows early on to really just kind of drive home that that was the funny thing to keep kids watching a lot of catchphrases critically these shows didn't do very well they're not <laughs> um if you go back and look at it and that wasn't really the idea but it's it's interesting that there i don't think anybody won an emmy from any of these shows and so it's uh even the very special ones so it was interesting but i'm sure it made uh, made abc a ton of money from advertisers and continued doing there's a there's a term i like that's uh called critic proof where it's something that is not designed to be criticized. It's not designed to be reviewed analytically. Sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that can be bad. Like a lot of times Marvel movies could be dubbed critic proof because they're being built for the audience that already exists. Who cares how it gets reviewed? That has changed in recent years, but there was a time when they were mm -hmm. critic proof. TGIF was critic proof. And, and to your point about growing up and when you started tuning out on some of these shows, in a way I hadn't really thought about because I think I was prime age for the entire run for not being able to go out and do anything it was also i was a goody two shoes in high school i did not do anything noteworthy that was fun or exciting until the summer after i graduated high school it, it's just who i was i was the little geek who stayed home with his friends and we sat in the basement played video games and watched tv but you needed there was a whole audience built in who couldn't go out on a friday night who didn't go out on a friday night and I wasn't thinking about it from that aspect of, man, that is an untapped market, maybe still to this day that they're forgetting about what's happening on Friday night on TV. There are still people who can't leave or is streaming killed that, as I think you mentioned earlier. The internet doing it. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we shall we shall table that for now. We'll try to think of our next. I love these deep dives to TV schedules and shows. We, we got to try to think of another one. I don't have one offhand, but. I've really dig this. We'll we'll find another <laughs> one. But we'll we'll move from television into one of my favorite segments, Cool Guy Randy's Cool Guy Music Corner, which I have wound up calling it every week because Randy is a cool guy. Randy's a cool guy who knows a lot about music and has a lot of good taste in music. Maybe I don't disagree with him, but he's varied because he's cool guy Randy and he's cool guy music corner. Randy, talk to mm -hmm. us about your album or your genre or your artist. What you got this week? Sure, let's, so we'll go into 2006's Black Holes and Revelations, which is a, the fourth studio album from the band Muse. I'm guessing, Muse, you've referenced rock band and guitar hero in the past, so Muse, very much known from Knights of Sidonia, also that the music video for that, and I'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, that was the big kind of hit song off this. Uh, if you heard it, you would know that no one's going to take me alive, that whole component you probably played this on guitar hero do you know knights of sidonia i guess that's my first i would have question. to listen to it real quick because i okay. know i know muse i have mm -hmm. well we we haven't played this game because oh. i think the last two you okay you okay you lose yeah. me no that's what i'm saying i'm waiting for it no oh. i got you, do you have news? okay <laughs> i was like oh what's wrong you went oh i was like oh that must be no, i was anticipating i was anticipating your phone thing yes i i just assume technical difficulties like a fool <laughs> i have a decent amount of muse on my on my phone okay so 
I, uh, and actually, that first one right there is Black Holes and Revelations. Yes. So, so and that's that's good. I don't have a lot from that one. My mm-hmm. my favorite album of theirs is The Second Law. I like that one a lot. That's where I discovered okay. them with, uh, you know, Panic Station and uh, yeah. with the... What is that? What is that one? Help me. I don't know that one. No? Undisclosed desires or. God damn it. What is it? Madness. It's madness. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that was a big hit. A couple albums after this one. Yeah. The thing. Uh, about this album as well a couple i have a couple personal ties to it that that make me love it as much it's there the three kind of really big hits off this album i would say was knights of sidonia uh, which really was known for uh it being like i said in guitar hero rock band i forget which one it was and also the music video is this kind of spaghetti western craziness that involves I'll, i guess i'll get into it now it's a, a story of a, a hero sheriff that comes into town and fights and evil shit. This is going to sound awkward. You just saw, I want to preface this, you just saw I like a lot of Muse. I have Muse on my phone. Mm-hmm. I remember this being one of those Guitar Hero songs. So I was like, oh, I fucking hate this one. Really? So, Interesting. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. It was just never, I don't know. I can't explain it. I I don't have a. I don't have anything else to go with there. Please continue. This might be an interesting I, lesson for you to do this weekend. But, uh, yeah, uh, cause, yeah, cause yeah. Because it's interesting. I don't, I have three songs, or hang on, I just closed it. I have a couple of songs from the album. Knights of Sidonia is not one of the ones I have on my phone Interesting. from the album. Okay. But please keep going. So, but to, anyway, the, one of the cool things about that video is the bad guy that plays the rival sheriff that he's trying to fight, like I said, it's kind of like a spaghetti western type thing, is an actor who ends up playing the Night King in Game of Thrones. So, fun little tie oh, into that type of thing. Yeah, that? exactly. So. So beyond Knights of Sidonia, the other one, Supermassive Black Hole, is a song that most people pretty much know just from the name, but it also was in the movie Twilight, which I think really got it into. There's a scene where vampires apparently play baseball during thunderstorms, and they play Supermassive Black yes. Hole in Twilight. So um, that was uh, another really good one. But And then the song Starlight, which uh, I don't know if it got... Huge, it was the other single that they released, and one of those you may know it if you hear it. I actually do know that song and love that song, actually. It's a great song. So it has a, I have a very personal tie to it where uh, that has been a big song that my wife and I have always loved together, my girlfriend to my Mm -hmm. wife, and the Vitamin String Quartet cover of that song was actually after we got married and walked down the aisle out of the area that we were was that song so it's like we were very tied to starlight i have a very very kind of personal emotional tie i know we never like to get sappy on this but i I love that song it's such a great song you should remind her of that considering all the marital problems that you've had lately exactly yeah that's true (laughs) maybe we'll play it on loop here for a living house so so I actually saw Muse in concert last uh spring i saw them last spring and i'm getting to that part too yeah what a show what a show. Please keep talking about the albums. Keep talking about it. I want to hear your perspectives. I would just say that they were one of those ones where you ever see a band and you're you're like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it, but you're not like, eh, whatever. Then they both blow you away in presentation and have a set list where you're like, fuck that one. Oh, that one. Yeah. Fuck that one. That was Muse for me, where I couldn't name the title, yeah. but it was, oh, I know that one. I know that one. I know that one. They are fan. They are killing it. They're just 
unbelievable live. I think the the text that I texted to somebody after I went and saw them, I saw them in like 2009, 2010, around then. And I just said, I have no face left. Muse has melted it off. Like it just, it was just such an, and you're just blown away by how incredible it is. And the fact there's three of them, I think is just even more incredible at how like Matt Bellamy, the lead singer slash guitar player is just a phenomenal guitar player there their bassist and their drummer like it's just the, the fact there's a three-piece set it has like rush vibes almost you're just like these people Ooh. can't be this good at that like and that is a um, really good comparison did you I, see I, them I, on this I just tour thought of that this one, album so. uh no it was the following one so um okay. uprising was the big one the yep, big yep, I hit from that, that one so it was that tour yeah. um but they still played a bunch from from this album and uh it's it's interesting because the whole the whole vibe and and muse deals with this a lot anyway where they have some glam rock to them they have some prog rock and then uh space opera ish type stuff yeah. <laughs> they get into that and that's very much this entire album the uh anti-establishment dystopian kind of themes to it uh the first song is called take a bow and it really is just yelling at corporate overlords or <laughs> leaders that uh it's just you're gonna have to pay for your sins is this kind of thing it, it, it gets in very interestingly um as almost kind of a rise up from from the lower classes type anthem, which is interesting. It starts with that kind of theme, and then it goes into Starlight. So, <laughs> not a cover of the Madonna song "Take a Bow." No, not a cover. Okay, just, just <laughs> no, no, very, very tongue in cheek to say, "Hey, you people that are at the top of you know the overlords of this world, you've destroyed you know any sense of humanity because of your greed." And you're going to pay for this eventually. Take a bow. That's that's the the theme of that song. So it's <laughs> like I said, and then goes into Starlight, and which is this kind of I'm, I I want you know I hold you in my arms. I, it has this like very sweet kind of undertone to it to say that you know this is the thing that I I hope I never have to let go of, um, and this is what I'm fighting for. Um, continues to I. I I think I'm I'm getting kind of a theme of I like cinematic albums where they they lay out and have have a feel to it where you can kind of visualize what's going on while you're listening to the music and and it does feel like that that's the the love story component of it then goes right into supermassive black hole so like something <laughs> clearly has uh, become a conflict or whatever and supermassive black hole is just a banger it just it has a, a <laughs> That one, it's just, it comes on and you're, you're in and it's, it has all the kind of components of Matt Bellamy's falsetto at the beginning and then kind of the distorted, you know, super massive black hole. Like they, they yell it at, at, and it's, it's just a really, really, really cool song. Um, and it, it's, you know, those three is just, it's a great kind of start to the whole album, uh, to to vary it up a little bit. Now from there, actually map of the problematic is, is, is pretty good too. Um, it has a similar sort of vibe to take a bow soldier's poem goes into a very, very, uh, reserved almost, which is kind of interesting that they, they take that from, it's not my favorite song on the album, but interesting, different kind of take the song invincible after that has a YouTube vibe to it, which is, is cool. It's a, a lot more, which you can see they do a lot with their guitars, the way that the edge would a lot of very produced and technically different so they sound it gives you a lot of different kind of crazy electronic guitar sounds uh and then honestly after that the next three or four songs i feel like if when you give it a listen you'll be like okay i heard this song already <laughs> they do kind of flow a little bit together until it gets into knights of sidonia which is the last song you may shut it off at that point i would say good so so you're 
So you're telling me if I don't super get into the last three or four, and I know I already don't like the last, I can just shut it off after Invincible. <laughs> I'm really surprised just because I think that I, I can listen to Knights of Sidonia almost on repeat. I, it just because it, it gets me going. It just maybe you heard it too I much. Promised, I promised, and I'm not being sarcastic, I promised to give it a fair shake when I listen to the full album, like to really just let mm -hmm. it play through because also there can be something said to listening to it in a void and listening to it on fucking Guitar Hero. There's a difference, right? Like fair, like, okay. I could, I promised you give it a fair shake as an actual song on an album. Really into that Rush comparison, man. That was really good, and I, I'm just thinking about it. A modern day Rush, he really did hit the nail on the that's, head. There. I, I, and that's weird because I would, I had in my head, I was just like, oh, they're trying to be Queen now. They're trying to be, you know, U2, and they have components of that. Radiohead, honestly, they were compared to at times more earlier in their career. But now that I think about it, that probably actually is is a little more spot on than than the rest of them. So that just came kind of off the top of my head. But one of the interesting things about Knights of Sidonia too is the the beginning minute and a half of that is just kind of these driving guitars, and it's it's a five note sequence that is the communication with the aliens and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is really cool. So like that kind of parallel there. Between the guitars, uh, they stack Matt Bell Bellamy's vocals. So that's a very Queen thing, too. That's what Queen did a lot of times. They would layer their vocals on top of each other to give it a bigger sound. Uh, infamously did that in Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. And so they do that a lot with uh, with Muse. It's very produced to stack his vocals on top of each other. And um gives it kind of a cool sound, too, because it seems like there's more voices in the band than there are the that i don't think the bass player sings that much i know the drummer does sometimes but it's a lot of it is just matt bellamy a bunch of different times really really cool that's awesome which is, is also fascinating to think about too because i'm sure they have that all tracked and packed for the live show but like you don't feel like you lose anything mm -hmm. like when you're watching them live you know sometimes there could be you always hear about like the beatles in their later years have have said even if we had wanted to tour we were doing so many things we couldn't tour with the songs that we were making, yeah. right? Because they had added so many tricks and studio things in, which is like part of what the Get Back album was supposed to be originally was stripped down, do the thing. But Muse rises above that mm -hmm. problem. Yeah, let's put in a million different layers and tracks and you know things, and all that. They're like, yeah, you know, let's we're gonna not only that we're gonna put on a hell of a show. <laughs> it's 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 very true. It's a from a critical standpoint, this album was pretty interesting because Rolling Stone really, really liked it. The Guardian really, really liked it. You know, a couple of the different music they all said, you know, this is this is different. They've differentiated themselves a little bit. You know, they still have their muse sound they've gone to. Pitchfork did not like news. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, fairly entertaining really? to read Pitchfork's uh, review of it where they just think they're they're kind of saying, oh, this is the same cycled crap that, uh, that Muse has been putting out. So clearly Pitchfork just doesn't like Muse. But I wanted to read what this last little paragraph that they had just because I thought it was a nice little uh, we're too cool for school take on it. So, What's most difficult of all to look past is that Black Holes was created in all earnestness by three dudes in Hot Topic shirts advancing a vision of rock music that operates on three fundamental assumptions. One, distortion is always better than no distortion. Two, every measure of music should contain at least one drum fill. And three, the future will be dominated by robots. Muse leave no room for compromise on these points. So for peace of mind, call them retro because they can't reasonably consider such a vision inventive, can they? Ooh. I, I would like to, I wanted to see some of what you were talking about. 
And so, did you listen to the latest Muse album? I think it was what twenty twenty two. Will of the people. I have kind of fallen off a little bit on them since uh, since probably the mid twenty tens. Since I was going to see, since I saw them last year, I wanted to catch up a little. I listened to that. It was pretty good. Pitchfork also hated that album. <laughs> Maybe they do hate Muse. <laughs> well, this is what's great. I went to Reddit, and one of the first comments was. Pitchfork hates Muse. In other news, the sky is blue and water is wet. And that That's was awesome. one of the very first uh, Reddit comments. That's great. And I was like, there it is. And there's, there's all sorts of terrible things. Just listen, listen to some of these comments. Ah, uh, yes. My favorite Muse album release edition. Seeing how low the Pitchfork score will be. Cool. I didn't realize that was a thing. That's funny. Wait a minute. They didn't mention Radiohead at all. Is this even a Pitchfork review? <laughs> all right Muse. Uh, we'll ride with you muse even a pitchfork won't but yeah give it a listen it's a it's a, a very entertaining uh it's a, a little bit longer 45 48 minutes but uh definite definite bangers in there it's uh the i would say it's like a highs and lows i, w- I wouldn't say overall you know it, it completely good but the highs are well worth a listen Moving on to The Simpsons. Randy, you chose this episode, I believe. Or I did? I don't remember. Why did we choose the episode we're about to choose before I move into it? I think I got to look at our text message back and forth because I definitely sent you a screen grab from it, but I want to make sure it is okay Okay to reference. Was that just on? it? We were texting random GIFs, and it was just like, <laughs> yeah, let's do that one, which would track, frankly, because I was watching oh, this Oh, I episode. remember what it was, but go ahead, yeah. I was just watching this episode, and I thought, why the fuck are we watching this episode? It's a good episode. I just couldn't remember why we chose it. It was, I was, <laughs> I texted you that my wife and I were watching something on, like, the Smithsonian or the Travel Channel about cruises, and there was a uh, cruise in Germany, or a German cruise that was going somewhere in <laughs> the uh, the islands off of Spain, and the, the German captain was very, uh, very displeased with the lack of uh, punctuality of the people in in one of the spanish ports and i forget and so i texted and he just it was on camera was just like i'm not pleased with lack of punctuality or something like that so i texted you that and then i texted you we germans aren't all with (laughs) rainbows and sunshine (laughs) and on that note for any simpsons fan who hasn't figured it out and for everyone else we are talking about the third season episode burn der coffin der kraftwerk First airing December 5th, 1991. It is the 11th episode of season three. Mr. Burns decides to sell the power plant to a team of friendly, efficient Germans. In the A plot, Homer is the only employee of the plant to be let go, and the family has to adapt to their father losing his job. Back when that still mattered on this show and was taken (laughs) seriously. In the B plot, Mr. Burns comes to realize that despite his money, without the power plant, he has no authority or power within the town and has a series of misadventures being disrespected. Written by John Vini, who's another classic writer who, while not Schwartzweldian, his prolificness to the show should not be forgotten. Uh, he wrote quality episodes all the way to season 15. His yep. legacy, just to hit that before the episode, he is the man credited as the writer for the episodes both Mr. Plow and the sideshow Bob Altimer, Cape Fear. He, his legacy is secured. Indeed. Randy, thoughts on this episode? How? What do you got? Uh, pretty fun story. I thought it was sort of interesting how the you mentioned that as the B-plot. I, when I did my initial thoughts, I didn't necessarily consider that a B-plot. I guess we're following it 
because it was connected to the A plot. So I, it was, I guess we were checking back in with it. So it felt all connected. And I thought to myself, oh, there isn't anything that's sort of disconnected on the B plot, but I guess it is technically a B plot uh, in that regard. I, I consider it a B plot because for me, a really good, when you do an A plot and a B plot properly, they, they split off from each other to start and they dovetail again at the end. Okay. So in the middle, you are following Mr. Burns who could have not had a role in this story. To me, yeah. it's a B plot. Yeah, it's and for being early on, I guess another thing I noticed, I, I like the story. Interesting to follow along and see sort of people in different situations. Obviously, Mr. Burns in an uncomfortable situation when he's so used to just controlling everything. Uh, but to not a, some some amusing lines but nothing that i'm just guffawing at and it wasn't rapid fire either just kind of continuing to let the story play out see what happens here a little more concern and seriousness to it where like you know homer is literally the only one you know that's going to be in dire straits everyone else has a has a place and will be spared i 100 percent agree with you on that it, and i think that is indicative of the era of the simpsons that we are watching this mm -hmm. is season three they are still kind of in a reality era. They are slowly getting away from it, but they haven't quite yet. Think about this season and even this episode. They do weird, goofy shit, but it's almost always a dream sequence, a TV yeah. show. A yeah. reason to excuse why this weird shit is happening in the reality of this episode. It's, it's, it's a more serious area that, is very entertaining, but it's not joke a minute stuff. When they hit, they hit big, but they are not just dishing them out. Right. Definitely. So, like, the land of chocolate sequence is obviously a highlight. What mm -hmm. else can I say? It is, it is visually stunning. It is hilarious to watch. It has a killer punchline at the end of it all. <laughs> but aside from a couple of jokes throughout, like, this is a solid entertaining episode that is in no way bad but also you're not you're not like laughing you're just oh i'm mm -hmm. enjoying this yeah. yeah which is sort of more impressive i guess speaks to the writing of it yeah. that it, it keeps yes. you keeps you engaged without doing it i the the one other sort of laugh out loud and i think maybe it's more of a quotable thing because i still quote it from time to time is when they offer burns the germans offer burns a hundred million dollars for the plant and he just goes, woo, 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 like he goes very excited and then goes, I begrudgingly accept. And I've, I've definitely used that on multiple things where I'll like, I'll, someone will say something about, you know, obviously a, a good deal for me. And I'll just I yeah. jokingly will be like, I begrudgingly accept. That That's funny because the line that I think I quote most, and, and I would say I do it mostly on vacation or if I've had a long rip of time off and I will stand by it. I didn't take a bath today and I may not take one tomorrow. <laughs> So I know who I am as a person. I I know my limits. So. Uh, quote Marge, Mike, you should still be taking baths, but <laughs> anything. It's it's interesting because I want to talk about the land of chocolate dream sequence because it's iconic. Mm. But I don't know what to say that hasn't been covered a million times. It's it's gorgeous. It's funny. It's adorable. It's very unique for the episode, right? For the era. And maybe is it iconic because it was them doing something that in does this become iconic because it's in season three and not in season twenty one? 
Yeah. So, I mean, how many of these instances have we had so far? Right. And so I think right. that really it's it being, it also, I guess, takes its, I, in my research, there's a, a cartoon in the thirties that it's very much stylized after that, uh, have a lot of note for note uh, shots, obviously not, it's different because it's chocolate, but, um, has similar movements and visually kind of has a, a very much of a likeness to it. So it, to, to have that and bring that in is, is it's always been a fun thing. The Simpsons has been able to yeah. do, but, uh, I, th I think that helps its memorability. Yeah. And, and that's really, well, you know, I was gonna say it's related to my jokes. I have one other, I wasn't sure to include this under jokes or thoughts. I have, mm -hmm. when I, when I watch an episode, I have three sections. I have, I have jokes. I liked thoughts on the episode and then general trivia. I looked up after or figured out. Okay. The episode. Mm hmm. I have one more thing that is I put in jokes, but could be thought. I respect when Bart goes to the bar and the bar flies make him like sing and dance while his dad drinks because, mm. you know, we've talked about my life in this episode maybe too much already, but that would hit me because my cousin and my aunt used to work at a bar in Lansing, Michigan, and my family would just go there for dinner to hang out for the evening because my cousin and my aunt worked there. I would stay past often when they were, you know, how like a bar has like often a cutoff time when there are no kids allowed. Like, hey, it's 9 p.m. We can't have kids in here anymore. I would often stay past that cutoff time as a small child when I probably should. <laughs> and we would I would stay there eating mini tacos and doing karaoke. One of my clearest memories of childhood is. There was an older black gentleman who played the harmonica, and I got third place in an open mic contest with him when we duetted Ain't Too Proud to Beg by The Temptations. And that is true. <laughs> wow. uh, they gave me I... a gift certificate to the bar. And <laughs> so I got more mini tacos. It was nice. a delightful memory. It just really, I was like, oh, this feels familiar. So that's, that's yeah. not necessarily a joke, I guess. It just yeah. really struck me. There was, I, maybe it's a quote, maybe it's a joke. The only other one that I, that I marked down, because I do kind of similar stuff, is that in the bar when they're at Moe's and Homer starts accosting Mr. Burns and he goes, who is, uh, who is this, Smithers? And Smithers goes, oh, that's Homer Simpson, you know, one of your minion, minions from Sector Steeping Group, uh, 7G, like he's been, <laughs> he's like getting his German into it. And I like laughed at that because it's like a quick throwaway thing, but just that, I, I, that's very Smithersian. It's very much in character. I almost wrote that down. I also laughed at that. I, I referenced that enough. I thought about it. Great minds think alike, my friend. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Also, is that... No, it probably happened in season two. I was going to say, when's the first time we got a who is that Smithers? But that's probably season two. Mm. So moving on to some uh, general thoughts before we get to trivia. Okay. It might, it, it's kind of going to probably overlap with some trivia, mm -hmm. but... I was so confused by the chalkboard gag when I watched it cold. It hmm. wasn't funny. It didn't make any sense to me. It's the Christmas pageant doesn't stink. Do you know why that was the chalkboard gag, Randy? I don't. It was the last episode to air before the Christmas break in 1991. It was just that time of year. Okay. It was a very topical thing. And really, often topical humor just doesn't work on a show 30 years later. <laughs> Or that's not necessarily funny even at Christmas, so I don't know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. You maybe they were phoning them with you. It's nice having Phil Hartman on board in a random role as the friendly two, overweight German. Two random roles. Two, yes, yes, you're right. 
So I know he's iconic and so many other recurring bits, but he just thought it was friendly and he just really sunk his teeth into it. And I just yeah. appreciated having Phil Hartman doing something. It was yes. just nice. My English is how you say inelegant is just a wonderful line. <laughs> yes. I would like to have a frank conversation about <laughs> your performance. <laughs> runs out. So I did the math on what they get. So they get, so all of the employees who don't cash their stock out early in the beginning of the episode get $5,200 in 1991. Mm. And that results in everyone buying luxury cars, <laughs> getting plastic <laughs> surgery, and everyone saying we've gotten rich. With it, modern inflation, that still would have only been $11,500. Randy, the dollar went a lot further in 1991, didn't it? I... Hate the global economy of today. But the only thing I could think about that is that Homer didn't even know he had stock. So maybe Lenny and Carl, maybe maybe they knew. And so they had put more money into stock. I don't know, maybe. So maybe they had more it stock. It was option. everyone else, right. Randy. It was everyone else. Remember this. Credit scores were only introduced in uh. 1989. This episode aired in 1991. The old world model was still in place here. You could just go to work and buy a house. I hate everything about the modern world. I will never own a house. I'm going to die penniless in a gutter, no matter what I do. Carl is still paying that car no, off. No, he wasn't. Though, so he has just... a good pension and a good thing. He's fine. Carl's fine. <laughs> I hate everything. It's fine. Where were we? I have a brief bit of uh, German trivia, I guess. Oh, please. <laughs> what do you have? Technically, this um, this the the title of this episode is grammatically incorrect. Oh. I don't know if you found that in your research. So. I did, but please do tell. It should actually be Burns Verkauf der Daswach, Kraftwerk. Kraftwerk, I should say. Not Burns Verkauf der Kraftwerk. Burns Verkauf das Okay. Yes. Why? So, now that we've cleared that up. I don't know why they changed it. Maybe they just, you know, maybe they were going listening to the same sycophantic German uh, thing uh, that Smithers was. So, but. Fair enough. Uh, because verkaufen is the infinitive form of the verb to sell, and the gender of the word Kraftwerk is neutral. Neutral is, yes, neutral. I wrote <laughs> neuter here, and I thought I misspoke, but no, I said it right, and I wrote neuter. So nice. it would take das... Not the masculine mm -hmm. article der, which is also the nominative case. I don't know what nominative means. I copy this from the internet. Oh, okay. I was wondering. I was the really impressed. The being gend. I actually took three years of high school German. All I remember is how to ask to go to the bathroom because it's a bad scene. bitte auf die Toilette gehen? My accent's terrible. However, der is also the genitive form of the plural article. So the title could be interpreted as a noun phase. Burns sales of the power plants. But that still wouldn't be quite right, as then it should be Burns Verkaufe, with an extra umlaut, de Kraftwerk. Mm, Basically, the title of the episode as it is translates to Burns to sell the power plant. Right. So. Not far off. But yeah. uh, a couple other little things. Mr. Burns' voice offset me. I, it was bothered me at the start of this episode, and amazingly, I found out why. Because it sounded wrong. And I actively wrote, 
this sounds like season one, Mr. Burns. It still felt wrong. You know, it has that extra graveliness to it. And it felt mm -hmm. like he slipped into it again while they were talking. Here's why Mr. Burns' line for, about the hot dog is recycled from two cars in every garage and three eyes on every fish. Wow, there you go. My, my nerdy Good. ears heard it. I thought, that sounds wrong. That sounds like original Mr. Burns. And it was. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Three other things before we move on. The Land of Chocolate Fantasy was originally supposed to have a street sign that read Hershey Highway, but the censors <laughs> objected. As Randy, you're a good, pure soul. You're clearly just uh, laughing at my inflection, not knowing what it means. Hershey Highway is a slang term for anal sex. Uh, did you know that? Right. You didn't know that, did you? You did. I, I clearly had no idea. I was just laughing at your inflection. Yes. So... Smithers is seen around bees in this episode without any ill mm -hmm. effects, in contrast to the classic episode in season seven, 22 short films, where it is revealed he is deathly allergic. He gets bit and has to get to the emergency room. A lot of fans, I've heard, you know, worst episode ever. Oh, somebody's going to get fired over that blunder about that continuity error. Mm. However, the Simpsons wiki online, who always has dumb shit to try to explain away anything, says... No, no, this is not a goof. Insect allergies can develop at any age, even after a number of uneventful stings. Clearly, yeah. Smithers simply developed a bee allergy later. That's life. not what they planned, but sure, whatever. No, <laughs> idiot. <laughs> you developed it at a later age. Smithers developed it at a later age. So they wrote the episode as the Japanese taking over, but they felt it was mm -hmm. too cliched and they changed it. And to be fair, you know, think about Die Hard in 1988, just three years earlier, Nakatomi Plaza. They make a lot of discourse about Japanese businessmen influencing the culture. It was the culture of the time. Back to the Future, 1985, just a few years earlier, made the joke yep. about how Japan makes all the best stuff. It was a played out joke. Good instincts on the writers to try something new. Indeed. Finally, this episode is rated an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb ratings, putting it as a good quality episode on their scales. Just missing out on being great, 8.6 and above is considered great. For reference, the highest rated episode of the season is the one right before this one, Flaming Moe's, with an 8.8 .8 out of Ooh. 10. While that is a very good episode, I find that rating to be incredibly too high. I like the episode, but that seems excessive to me. Yeah, I think it's just it's, it's one of those that just sticks in everybody's mind. Maybe not necessarily one of the best, but memor from it, maybe it's a, it's almost a memorable ranking than it, more than a quality. Very surprising to me. However, uh, that is it. Uh, this week's episode, we've covered everything. Anything else you want to talk about? Any of our topics, Randall? There was I had like one or two more things about the Simpsons episode that this oh. uh, was one of one, another instance, and I can't remember if it's before or after, but Randy, Randy, uh, Randy, Randy, that was a courtesy. We're done. We're done. That was a courtesy. Oh, well, don't no, talk. All right, don't. All right oh, well. fine. Go ahead. Fine, fine. <laughs> but when Homer's trying to put the dollar bill into the vending machine, and he is up, clearly upset about that, and Smithers mistakes it for his compassion for Burns, they use that again, and I don't know if it was like when. Marge's great aunt Hortense gets her get dies or something else, but mm -hmm. he's thinking about the potato chips and he's like, "It's yes. not fair, damn it!" He's pounding on it, <laughs> and Marge right, is like, "Oh, right. Homer, you poor thing." So, a recurring thing. I'm not sure how many other times it may may have used it, but that that, that it made me think of that when that, I saw that part of it. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about it. good call, good catch. What else you got? You got another one? You weren't. Uh, the only other thing when Homer brings in the money for the fancy beer uh, and slaps the twenty dollar bill down on the bar, Homer or Moe's reaction to it is like he's never seen yeah. <laughs> a denomination that like his <laughs> eyes are super wide or whatever. It just I I rewound it one thing just to watch his reaction. It was pretty funny. So anything else, Randy? Anything no, else? That's- I think that about wraps it up. We've been about talking for a while. fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a pleasure as always. we got to figure out what we're going to talk about next week. I feel like we've always had a topic mm-hmm. ready for the next week. We don't have one. What are we going to do? So anyway, for now, that's, a, that's, that's an us problem. For you, your problem should be finding us on social media. You can find me at Mike Barcode. That's M-I-K-E-B-A-R-C-O-D-E. On TikTok or Instagram, I'll be our public-facing front. So I always said, you can also email us at mikebarcode at gmail.com. Leave a review. Leave those five stars. Anything you do to engage on any of your podcast platforms helps us find a bigger audience. And if you like us, you know, help us outgrow you. Wait, did I say that right? Is that that? <laughs> boy, I'm really taking it to people this one, aren't I? Oh, boy. So yeah. I just, I... I want so much more that you are not providing. And I just really, I appreciate you, but, but you know, you're the girlfriend that we dump when we get famous. Just really, you're really helping us out. Really help us get there. Put us through medical school. Put us, support us while we make that first album so that we could leave you behind. That's all I'm looking for. So is that not right, Randy? Is that not the right? No, I'll always hang with the listeners, even though you'll be up in your ivory tower. So. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, in that you case, can, you can spit. You can spit on all of us. It'll be great. <laughs> spit in my mouth. All right. Wait, what? Where do we? I should probably cut that out. All right, Goodbye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>